It's highly corrosive. Dissolves most biological material on contact with humans, right down to the bone. Hey, Howard, uh, what are you showing this to us for? You think I'm an idiot. Um, <laughs> Howard, please, you're going to have to tell us what it is that you're talking about. I'm talking about getting rid of some waste. Tell me what you two are doing with this. You tell me what you two are planning Howard, right now. Listen, just take it easy. Take it easy. Come Howard, on. No. Howard, come on. Please, I'm Howard. I'm giving you one chance. Howard, just calm down. One chance to answer with some dignity, or I swear to God, you're going into this barrel while you're alive to feel it. It was me. All right, not her, it's just me. No, no, no. She, she we, stay we, out of this, all right? She doesn't have a clue what you're talking about. I wanted your gun. And so I was thinking about making a weapon to get it from you. I want her to respect me the way that she respects you. I'm not saying that I was right, okay? And I'm sorry. You're sorry? I'm sorry. I accept your apology. The Cinema 9 podcast is here, technically, for the most part. Uh, a third of us, <laughs> plus Luke. Luke Horobeck is filling in for both Eric Brandstrom and Mike Govier, my co-hosts. I am Travis Roy, my co-hosts, uh, stricken down by separate uh, <laughs> temporary maladies. And uh, Luke, I really strongly thank you for coming on today, so I'm not talking into the void by myself that'd be so awkward yeah you know I'm, I'm just i'm i'm just absolutely thrilled to be part of the polycule so yeah i'm i'm very happy to be here 
Uh, I hope I hope uh, we can I hope I can do this pod justice. We, you know, without Mike and Eric, I mean, gosh, Oof. big shoes. I feel like there's I feel like yeah, huge shoes, and there's two sets of them. That's unfortunate. Also, am I talking to Luke Horlbeck if I don't have to break out a dictionary? What is a polycule? <laughs> I'd love to know. So would our it's audience. a it's a it's a it's a love group. Ooh, it's, I like it's, that. It's people That's that li- like live together, love each other. And, yeah, yeah. You're on the Cinema Nine commune. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> um, savvy regular listeners may have noticed that, uh, especially those that listening to our audio track. Luke, um, he was with us last week for our special, not even a week ago, for our special bonus episode over the weekend, uh, Collision of all of Mike Govier's podcasts, him from (laughs) Palazzo Podcast and a little bit of Chris Deary, Luke from Is It Safe Podcast with Mike, and then of course myself and Eric. And so you had, and then a couple other friends, Paul Freeling and uh, Brian Madison, we are grateful for their presence on the show and taking the time to be there, which means if you're paying attention, we had seven voices over one another at once on top of a bunch of audio drops, just just booming left and right, just coming at you. It was um, a vomitous (laughs) mass of noise. And if you listen to the whole thing through, I salute you. Thank you, listener. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you uh, from from me, too. Uh, Yeah, I I think. Mike was so concerned about your mic not working, the mic between you and you and Eric, because he was like, it's not it's not unidirectional. This is going to be a big mess. And I think he he like teed you guys up perfectly. Like you <laughs> yeah. sounded so good. Both of you sounded amazing. I should have just not said anything because <laughs> like my my mic was for whatever reason, it sounded like complete trash. Uh, well, so it was very cobbled okay. together. Yeah, it was. Yeah. It was, uh, you know, we, we got together over the weekend in person. We never get to do this. Luke, it was so awesome to see you and like shake your hands, yes. hug you and all that good stuff. Yes. And we didn't get sick from this event. No, I mean, I did not. I did not either. I mean, okay. It's been a few days, so I, I think I'm safe to say I'm yeah, in you're the clear safe now. now. You're, like you're in the clear at this <laughs> yeah. point. Yeah. yeah. So that's now yeah, I, we went to uh, we went to London for our uh, for our honeymoon our belated honeymoon. So we'd been married for three years at this point and our original honeymoon got canceled. Anyways, we went to Mm -hmm. London, came back, both Chris and I had COVID and she, I was like, she was kind of like mortified. And so was I, because we both had kind of skipped our boosters. You know, I think a lot, I think a lot of people just lapsed on their booster and I knew not to do that, but we did it. And then uh and then she was talking to her boss and he was like yeah i went to london got covid and she was like jesus christ everybody's getting covid in in london and i was like okay cool if that makes you feel better we're good but i'm still i am still like ready to get my booster but since i just got it they say you're supposed to wait so oh uh, yeah i was i'm like i was first things first and i was like first in line both times mm-hmm. to get the booster i'm like what is this you, you gave it to a guinea pig and then me i'll take it give me <laughs> this fucking shit put it in my body let's see what happens. yeah you sent a monkey to space put me in the chair right now <laughs> yeah exactly i I'm, I'm i'm i'll take my chances and so far you know the arm's still attached to the body i'm still alive yeah poor, poor rufus is still uh orbiting uh some planet you know rufus yeah. the dog or whatever his name is <laughs> and to knock on wood again i'm st- i'm getting to be the only person i know who's not yet had covid so that's uh something it, do you think do you think at this point though you've probably had it just been asymptomatic 
I, I mean, I, I, my assumption is, yeah, is that I have. And so that's partly why I wear the mask so much in public. Cause, cause I'm thinking, well, I'm probably a fucking carrier monkey who knows when I've got this shit. So I better like try and not spread it around. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 Okay. You're, you're, you're patient 1 million to 2,500 or something. Yeah. Yeah. I'm long on a list. Yeah. So we're speaking of apocalyptic events, we're going to be talking about, 10 Cloverfield Lane today uh, after oh, yeah. we get through our initial chit chat, which you're so far already enduring for five and a half minutes. But also we're going to talk about, as always, our quarantine viewing picks, by which we mean the movies we've been watching most recently. Typically I go first, but we don't need to do that. Luke, what have you been watching? Okay. So yeah, I, I'm always like very underprepared for this segment. That's fine. <clears throat> yeah but i did have i did have two that i really so i did a i did a double feature uh, okay. i watched x have you seen that mm -hmm. okay so i watched x and then i watched old right after that okay. which i think was a perfect kind of double feature now i guess we can't really spoil things i guess uh Suffice to say, I loved them both for different reasons. Uh, very unique. Both movies very unique. I think that uh, Ty West is doing an incredible job actually capturing capturing that uh, kind of independent film magic of, you know, Texas Chainsaw mm -hmm. without uh, making it without being it's actually way bloodier right than than texas chainsaw because i don't think there's any blood in texas chainsaw massacre i think uh it's skin. all implied there's skin there, there, there's like <laughs> <laughs> yeah there, there are lampshades uh yeah it's very ed Gaines. it's a, it's an ed Gaines thing skin. yeah and or ed gain and uh yeah anyhow i i thought x was amazing i'm really looking forward to seeing pearl which is supposed to be part of this trilogy he's doing and then maxine which is going to be mm -hmm. uh next year so that was that was awesome and then old m9 Shyamalan, you know i i have i have definitely like come around on him in different ways i watched the village as well mm -hmm. uh literally after i watched old oh, okay and triple feature I, yeah, well, I watched it like the next day, but oh, yes. Okay. Um, so I remember people having a lot of very like strong thoughts about the village, mm -hmm. and it was just it was like a dividing movie. It was just kind of like people fucking hated it or loved it. It was it was bizarre that it like elicited that level of engagement, that mm -hmm. level of annoyance, yeah, or or love and appreciation on the other side. And I thought it was superbly constructed i thought it was really well done and then i was sitting there watching it with kristen we were about like an hour in and i just looked at her and i was like so these people are all just like sociopaths right and she was like yeah that's that's what's going on so i was like <laughs> it was cool to watch it again after we know <laughs> what the uh what the conceit is yeah so i thought that was uh super fun but yeah that's been my uh that's been my like viewing lately i i watched some really just I watched movies that were so bad. I, I literally don't remember what they're called. I watched like three or four of those. And I what, tell me one. What, what was it about? Let's play a game. See if I can oh, guess it. God. Okay. Let's see if you can guess. You're not going <laughs> to guess. You're not gonna gonna guess I... it, man, because it's going to have a, it's going to, it has a name. It has some dumb, like high octane name. That's just like, you know, never back down. You know, it's, it's one of those things. What, who's uh, in it? Nobody. 
literally watch on the you watched a, you watched a film that was yes. just an empty room yes i watched a i watched a movie on the airplane on the way back from london uh i watched zodiac on there okay which i Classic. constantly watch i watch it at least five or six times a year but i definitely watch it when the fall time hits mm-hmm. and i watched uh i watched halloween of course and they had this one. I literally couldn't tell you the guy in it. I didn't recognize it. He looks. He looks like five other like roided out MMA fighters who became actors. He looks like one of those guys, but it's We're not talking, a. It's uh, not a guy that you know. It, oh. It's not a guy that anyone knows. I okay. tried to look him up, and it was like, no, this uh, is terrible. And the movie I to, sucked. I tried to play this game with you, and this sucked. So I'm going to move on. To yeah, that. I know. I, I blew it. I blew it. <laughs> That's okay. Yeah. Uh, I'll talk about what I watched then. Uh, I just finished uh, just now the the season finale of She-Hulk, which has got like a 5.2 or something on IMDb. People are being brutal to this show, which I don't understand. I mean, some, some of the budget problems are apparent, but it's clever. It's funny. You get to see superheroes instead of kicking ass, they're like taking their garbage out and like dating and stuff like that. It's like so prosaic. It's so cool. Like it should be people should be eating this shit up with a spoon, but instead it's like, oh no, it's a woman, and I, you know, hate half the population. I guess I don't know. I don't understand. Oh, yeah. I mean, no. Well, are they incels? I, I I'm not sure. I mean, probably. I I I would acknowledge that the budget issues and maybe the sense of humor isn't for everyone because it's not the funniest show i've ever seen but it's i mean if you like marvel and if yeah and if you hate marvel then that makes sense it's not for you but if you're someone that is into the mcu it's like you're missing out and but on the other hand i watched werewolf by night with another mcu uh you know special that the halloween special that just came out and i was really geeked for this and uh i don't know it just kind of missed the mark for me um, it felt I had never realized until I saw him on screen how much Marvel's man thing was reminiscent of Groot, and I'm like, oh, he's just like Groot, only wider. Um, <laughs> Wait, hold, uh, can can you give me like a two like an elevator breakdown of what this show is supposed to be? So, Were, Werewolf by Night is a somewhat obscure Marvel character who is a werewolf, but by night once a month, I guess. But anyway. And then his <laughs> and then his friend Man Thing is uh, Marvel's answer to Swamp Thing, so just imagine Swamp Thing, but with gotcha. a less uh, with a less visibly human appearance, and okay. uh, and then also Blood also Bloodstone, another Marvel character who's pretty cool, popped into it too. So there's some introductions I was stoked for, but and I was like, well, I, I don't know, I just kind of felt like a little underwhelmed by the thing, maybe because it's only an hour long. They only didn't mm. have, and it was black and white, which was fun. I had like little cigarette burns in the in the corner at, at times, and it had like no kind of like hissing noise. It was like you know some throwback stuff. Trying but it's to not like, done in film though, right? I mean, it's obviously it it's all shot filters. Film. You yeah, know, it was so... all nostalgia. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I don't how know. Co- how cool would a fucking MCU project be shot on actual film like that? That I I would love to see. I would love to see an MCU movie uh, shot by like David Cronenberg on real yeah. film. Well, this was Michael Giacchino, who is uh, um, he does the scores. He did the score for the Batman. He did the score for uh, Spider-Man: No Way Home. He's done a bunch of stuff. He's a he's a big deal in that world. So this is oh, his first cool. direction, which was kind of cool. Yeah, I watched another horror movie. Actually, I watched a couple horror movies because I also watched The Wailing, which was supposed to be our feature film for this evening. If you're tuning in and 
like, hey, what the fuck? I thought you guys were going to talk about the South Korean horror feature from 2016 called The Wailing. You're going to have to wait <laughs> another week. I'm sorry. Uh, I, I myself made the call to push it back because I didn't want to do it without Eric. Uh, this is one that Eric yeah. had seen before, like me. And, you know, I wanted to be able to do the actual does it hold up segment with them and we, that, we were at that point at thinking it was going to be you me luke and uh and govier mm. but that didn't happen i watched yeah. hellbender a uh it's a independent feature a family made this horror movie when he was on here last our full episode running the store from the ghost story guys when he was on our cliffhanger episode he talked about how he had, how he had interviewed this family uh, that made this movie this horror movie called hellbender so i figured i'd check it out it is very arty very arty and uh good super low budget like really low budget and it's like you know so since it's a family there's like four people in it but we just watched 10 cloverfield lane which had three people in it and there's plenty to talk right. about there. So <laughs> I would recommend Hellbender. It didn't blow me away, but it's certainly worth seeing. I watched Young Guns, man. I'd seen Young Guns of course of, of before, of course, but I had been oh a long God. time since I watched it. When's the last time you saw Young Guns? It's cute. It like I it's queued up because it must have recently been added to streaming services or something because it has popped up for me a couple of times. So yeah. I've like I just re-added it to my list or whatever over you know 20 years, yeah. 20 years ago. <laughs> and uh yeah, I've been kind of dig like dying to like dig back into it. You know, it's still very much an action movie with a really dumb score, but it does have so many moments that are a lot of fun. I know Eric had kind of talked about doing it on this show at one point. Maybe he will, so I won't go too much into that. But I am kind of itching to rewatch Young Guns too now. I mean, like I always actually preferred that one to the first one. Last but not least, forget about that. Yeah. Uh, last but not least, I checked out. I figured, well, shit. I watched Ten Cloverfield Lane, but I've never seen the Cloverfield Paradox, and I watched that. You had asked me about it over the phone, uh, Luke, and as I told you, it's tenuously part of a trilogy i said is is <laughs> i said i feel like i need to watch this trilogy uh, is it worth watching and you said uh this a trilogy the same way pizza in the morning is breakfast food yeah cold pizza cold pizza specifically yeah sorry <laughs> yeah no it's okay because i mean i've we've all done that it's happened you're like oh this is all that's here i guess i'll fucking eat this shit but that's that's some low brow uh some low level oh, yeah. shit uh we'll talk more of course about how this fits into the cloverfield universe when we get deeper into 10 cloverfield lane but the cloverfield paradox was like hey here's a whole movie and here's a a, 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 a snippet uh, a breath worth of film time to suggest that you're in this cloverfield universe uh it wasn't not worth watching but i didn't i didn't love it either uh pretty much maligned actually so well and that's what i watched yeah go ahead yeah oh well i'm sorry was this the paradox yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay okay all right no i was i was jumping in uh at the wrong time oh all right so typically what we would do at this point as we would pivot to our feature film for the evening 10 cloverfield lane usually we would guess the imdb score but i had to pull it up already so i'm gonna have you guess just you Liz. Mm, what do you think the uh, 10 cloverfield lane yeah i'm gonna give this one i feel like it's got to be a pretty high rating just because it's such a 
tight movie. I, I don't know what you would complain about. So mm -hmm. I'm going to give it like a 7.2. Oh, well, you hit it right on the head, my friend. It's a Shut up. I, I will Is it really? I'm on a yes. podcast. It's my job to talk. Yes. <laughs> you did it. The new champ. <laughs> Holy winner. shit. You know what you win? 7.2? Yeah. Yeah. You know what you win? Nothing. Okay, you've played this game before. <laughs> what I win is a chance to be on the pod again. So the hey, next well, time. Well, maybe maybe you'll be invited on again. When am I going to be on the Is It Safe podcast with you and Mike Govier? I didn't think you wanted to be. Uh, so Why would I not want any, I, I don't know. Of course, anytime. <laughs> anytime. Well, Actually, we're going to need we're going to need you, as a matter of fact, because uh, our other host has um, he's adjusting to he's adjusting to adjusting to work lifestyle right now and so we need uh we're definitely going to need some guest hosting coming up so if you are free tap me yeah i'm free we usually I, try I to do it on wednesdays so it'd be a double dip for me because we usually record on wednesdays it's a thursday now for those that are watching us ah, live yes. but but yeah i can i can double dip i can get a double dose of mike govier in one evening <laughs> oh Tell man yeah I, we would love to have you, are you kidding i Yes, it's a it's a natural fit. So I I don't know why that hasn't already happened. It's a little silly. Well, it's okay. And listeners, uh, if you're into Mike Govier when he's here ordinarily and his shenanigans and insights, and then of course Luke and his great wit, check them out anytime on the Is It Safe podcast. It is yes, that is a movie reference to Marathon Man. But instead of talking movies specifically, although sometimes mm -hmm. you do, they just kind of talk about wherever the conversation takes them uh complaining about society right like societal complaints is the general theme of that show. societal complaints is probably the best way of putting it yeah yeah we, <laughs> I've got we, complaints. we do try to have like a little structure to it but uh we often what we'll do is we'll share a bunch of notes and we're all prepared kind of <laughs> it depends on who reads whatever article and then it just fucking sprawls out into the into the galaxy instantly and then we just never get back to what we were talking about uh but sometimes i have some fairly rousing discussions so indeed yes please visit us there all right and i, and I look forward to visiting you there also hell let's yes look at, let's look at some of these uh shall you say reviews from people that saw this movie when it came out the tomatometer at uh, over at uh, the Rotten Tomatoes website, ninety percent from critics. That is certified fresh, with an audience score of seventy nine percent. Not exactly on par, but pretty close. Not bad. Not too shabby. Uh, let's get a look at some of these reviews themselves. Let's see here. So critical reviews. Who do we got? Um, we'll start with Max Vice from. Baltimore Magazine, both Winstead and Gallagher Jr. are great as the young bomb shelter roomies, but it's Goodman's film. He's a Stephen King-style character, affable and menacing, with both a cheery bonhomme and a hair-trigger temper. All right. <laughs> <laughs> That's fun. Get to throw bonhomme in there. I'm not even sure yeah. if I'm pronoun pronouncing bonhomme. that right. Yeah. Bonhomme. All right. I, yeah, I felt whatever. good about it until like, you spoke. It's French bullshit. Yeah, tough one. I'm not going to lie. Tough. I've never, I've never been good at the French anything. Well, not even kissing. <laughs> Who am I kidding? <laughs> oh, come I can't on! Even make French toast. Nah, um, no, you you proved you were good at it at the feast. At making French toast, I did make French toast once. No, French kissing. 
I don't recall that, but things get wacky. You didn't even recall making French toast, so here we go. (laughs) Uh, Andrew Pierce over at the curb says, The lack of solid character development made for a generous lack of tension. Splat. Wow. Yeah, all right. So so do you, motherfucker. (laughs) Luke has feelings. Uh, Kate Roger over at News Hub in New Zealand says, This film kept me guessing almost until the final credits. All right, we're just missing some big names here. Where are the where are these where are the big people at? Uh, there's a lot of uh, blogs and whatnot that I've never even heard of before. Yeah, you but... mean you mean like you know like Nate Johnson from like the uh, like this the slashfilm.com website? Those yeah, people. There's a, there's a, I mean I'm not saying that they're you know that their opinion doesn't matter, but uh, let's see. Uh, Candace Frederick from Real Talk. That's something I've actually heard of before says it's well acted nuanced and surprisingly effective a definite must-see thriller but she gives it a b plus Hmm. travis are these are these all from when the movie was like are there dates on these are these all from like 2016 um so i i read one from 2020 but everything else has been from 2016 Hmm. okay so uh, i'll do one or two more here and then we'll wrap it up sunny bunch Sunny Bunch from Washington Free Beacon says, 10 Cloverfield Lane is alternately hilarious and terrifying, horror and tender. Three out of four stars. Okay, that's fun. Well, I think that's probably enough. Let's move on with our lives. What do you think? Yeah, yeah, of course. Let's move on from that stuff. Let's move on from that stuff. All right, so getting into the meat of Dan Trachtenberg's 10 Cloverfield Lane. Luke, is this your first time? This was not your first time seeing this movie. You picked this movie. No, do, you, yeah, do you remember I, the first time you saw it? I don't remember the first time I saw it. I actually thought it was from like 2010. Uh, time time is in a weird warp now. I You don't say. With the yeah, with the <laughs> pandemic. Honestly, like with with Trump becoming president, uh there was an acceleration of time. Like I and then with the the pandemic, I mean there's just I feel like I've missed the last six years somehow. Like it just kind of disappeared. And then now sure. I'm adding, I'm adding on those years to like movies that I've seen. And that this one came out in 2016, March of 2016. You know, and I thought this movie came out like at least five years prior to that. <laughs> I at feel least. like on your point about time, it's like if you were to fall down a mountain, you know, to your death, because we've been on a steep decline, there will probably be moments where you're in free fall and probably moments when you're kind of scraping against the mountainside, maybe even land slow a down a bit yeah, against, slow. against the cliff. And then you kind of roll for it a little bit. So th- this is kind of how time has felt for me since 20, 20, late 2015, early 2016. I've been so focused on the myth of Sisyphus, you know, like pushing the rock <laughs> up the mountain. I hadn't thought about what it feels like to go down the mountain and like grab a branch every once in a while and like yeah. things slow down just for one second. You know, what, but it's you know like, what, that's like something significant that happened in your life. And you're like, oh, I remember that <laughs> happening during this year. Like when I adopted my cats, that was cool. Yeah. But then I don't remember like the next eight months. And then all of a sudden something significant happens again. It's just tumbling down the fucking hill. Yeah. Oh, that's well, a good one. Yeah. Well, don't forget the thing about Sisyphus is, is that he had great abs. So <laughs> <laughs> oh, I made him do a spit take. Shredded. Oh, right. oh he's shredded. <laughs> oh, his pecs are out of control. So I do. I mean, this is only my second time watching this movie um, last night. And. 
I watched it when it came out, not in theaters, but it got such good buzz. You know, when when movies come out, what it was eight years, I think, after the original. I think I think Cloverfield was two thousand eight, if I recall correctly. Yeah. So I may have been thinking about the original. Yeah. And this one, it's just so sure. weird how it like slips into the ether and you don't. Even, <laughs> yeah. It's in the stream, right? It just jumps into the stream and right. All there is is the perpetual now. Um, (laughs) So this is this is the way this pod was meant to be. Just the two of us. So we're firing Mike and Eric is what you're saying. All right. I'm sure they might have something to say about that. (laughs) But um, yeah, so I, I saw more or less when it came out and went, oh, it's. It is a Cloverfield movie. Now, obviously, for those listening at this point, if you haven't already seen the movie, you should, because we're going to get deep into the spoilers of the film we're now. Spoil it, yeah. And immediately last night, one of my main takeaways, if not my main takeaway from this film, is that it's weakened by its name. It's weakened by being shoehorned into this fucking quasi trilogy that jj abrams insists exists because it's it spoils it spoils it it spoils the ending of the movie imagine if instead of 10 cloverfield lane it was called 10 hollyhock lane it just wouldn't have been as catchy i don't know it wouldn't have been as catchy but to me the whole premise of the movie is that you're watching this character locked in this underground bunker and she's being told hey this these horrific events have happened above and who knows what's going on and all we know about her main captor is that he's quote-unquote got a black belt in conspiracy theories and that he's potentially a murderer and out of his you know and out of his fucking gourd so out of his goddamn mind so the tension of the movie should be uh, is he telling the truth or is he not if she escapes is there actual danger or is there not and if she and if there is actual danger is is it terrestrial in nature is it the russians like what's what's going on here or is it like how much stronger would the movie have been if she gets out there and it does like this full-on uh, from dusk till dawn kind of flipped the script thing where you're like oh there really is fucking aliens he was telling her the truth the whole time he wasn't crazy how wild well yeah that that's that that is but that's still that's still intact in the in the film i don't think yeah i don't think that actually spoils that part of the 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 tension because i lit i've seen this movie like two or three times prior and i was still like Okay, did I just imagine the the fucking things at the end? Like, am I <laughs> am I crazy? And I was like, because I was still just, I was still like really, really like, uh, you know, in that in that drama of her trying to like get out of this fucking room and mm-hmm. like just being with this complete like maniac, but you know, this like tender hearted psychopath, <laughs> you know, this, this person. So. <laughs> I yeah I I couldn't stop so watching it now watching it now this many years uh later but again not as not as later as I thought it was yeah this came out and this came out in 2016 this came out six months to a year after like uh Trump introduced his like candidacy for president About this right. is this is the QAnon guy like right he is the guy in the bunker who oh, built yeah. the doomsday bunker. Everything's been proven right for him. Uh, it's all coming. It's all coming together, but he doesn't have anyone to share his bunker with, which is 
probably one of the things that these bunker builders need to really be thinking about is how boring is it going to be when I'm in the bunker all safe and cozy and have oh. no one to talk to? Oh, my God. How many times did you think of this? This You're basically watching quarantine, but without the Internet. 100 percent. I mean, that's literally yeah. what they're doing down there, playing fucking board games with nothing to distract them. Can you imagine just being stuck in that scenario with two other people for months on end? Literally nothing to distract you but board games and the same like 50 songs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I lived with my parents growing <laughs> up. Uh, we didn't go anywhere. Uh, <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, but no, that that is that is interesting. Like I was thinking about that too. I'm like, my God, they, it's not like they predicted this, but it's like, okay, John Goodman is like, oh, I predicted this fallout, so I'm glad I got this fallout shelter. And then yeah. I also predicted the fact that like you know the government's going to put magnetic chips in our you know vaccines, and we're not going to be able to go outside anymore or whatever. Yeah. Uh, you know, it was just, it was, it, I thought it was such a, I thought it was such a very, um, not only is the movie like perfectly taught, I think it's just, it is a delicate, it's a delicate, like, uh, usage of these, you know, different types of, I guess, uh, you know, characters of mm -hmm. people on the right and people on the left or whatever. And and I like how it didn't turn into like a weird political kind of back and forth at some point. Yeah. You just, it, it wasn't like, Oh, this girl's a crazy liberal and all that. And like, Oh, she's being taken hostage by this like crazy right wing guy. It was just more like, let's just sit in this guy's world for a while and see mm -hmm. what in the fuck, what in the, how is this going to play out? How is this yeah. actually going to play out well, with this so guy at the helm? Yeah. It's so unsettling as a viewer that he ends up being right. It's unsettling as a viewer that he has this power of knowledge over her, that Howard Goodman's character has this power of knowledge over Mary Elizabeth Winstead's character, Michelle. And he and he doesn't use that power. He actually like it tells her the truth consistently, and he turns out to be right about his conspiracy theories. He turns out to have been right to equip this whole place the way he has, and it's so unsettling. But at the same time, it's pretty clear that he drove his wife and child away with his obsession about safety and about this uh, this coming apocalypse that that he thought humankind was going to be responsible for, you know. So and and he was both right and wrong at the same time, which I think mm -hmm. walks that fine line that you're talking about. Yeah, and you know, it, it again having it's almost like I thought I I thought I just got this movie, you know, inherently, but yeah, I was thinking about it again. You've got. So uh, the director, it, it seems to be the, the writer, director, whatever. It seems to be like there is this uh, kind of loving portrayal of maybe your father that has like kind of gone off the rails a little bit. And so you want him to to really be somebody that was right. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I feel like it's it's such a shot from like, uh, you know, shoot the moon type idea, but you know, nobody would make this movie now. And I think that gets said a lot about other types of movies, but nobody would make this movie now where, you know, it is kind of a loving portrayal of like a, of a, <laughs> a very conservative dad who uh, like really only wants to kind of keep his family together. I mean, he is literally fighting to keep the nuclear family together. That's why he runs her off the road. That's why he kidnaps her. Right. Like, he that's the way one. I took it. No, yeah, he is. Good. He basically like brings her in as a surrogate for his daughter. Right. Um, oh, that's clear. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Of course. Uh, and and he says as much. But it's like 
he it's like the depth of his heartbreak is what is like driving him to be like completely insane. And also the fact that, you know, he just doesn't trust anyone anymore. And yeah, but he was insane I mean, before that because he took this girl yeah. hostage. Uh, he took this girl and presumably killed her in this bunker from, um, from Emmett, the John Gallagher Jr.'s character's uh, high school. So, and then we don't even really know that the mother, that his wife right. and daughter went off to Chicago for all no we know. Idea. They, for all we know, they all ended up in that barrel. Um, and he's clearly, it's not just that he's, it's its so funny to me because he's a great villain and he is Stephen Kingy. I love that um, reference because Stephen King has always known how to present characters, you know, these awful villains who are so self-assured in their righteousness and that what they're doing is good well i laugh so hard when uh howard says i know i seem like a sensible guy <laughs> yeah <laughs> no dude you don't <laughs> but like you know he thinks he is that was he like thinks... the one joke in the movie <laughs> <laughs> right and but like it's also almost a joke in, in a disturbing way that he shoots Emmett in the head and then brings her the option of ice cream in a cone or ice cream in a oh, bowl. Yeah, that was like, oh, hang too. loose. Like he's terrifying. And then he so just wanders casual. out of the room too. She doesn't even choose an option. He gives her an option between a cone and a bowl. And he but was like, Me Michelle liked always the liked or, the bowl or yeah. Megan, Megan. Yes. Me right. Megan always liked the bowl. Right. And then he just leaves the it and walks out. <laughs> yeah. No, that was, um, that's, uh, but it, I thought what was so cool about it is like, as much as the movie to me was, was a completely kind of like full picture of what this, uh, what this like phenomena might be like John Goodman absorbs that so much. He mm. is like the full fucking embodiment of it. Like I have, I've seen him do many great performances. This is one of the more menacing and complete performances I have ever fucking seen. I mean, yeah. I almost wonder, like, if you had any other actor in that, would they pull that off without being um, extra evil or, like, yeah. you know, more of a loose cannon or whatever? I mean, he right. doesn't have to do anything except go, like, <sighs> he does that, like, little <laughs> It's so like old. a Clint Eastwood. It's like a Clint Eastwood, yeah. except it's, like, that guy. It's that guy that lives in the sticks that's got a fucking bunker. Yeah. And it had been so Unreal. long. It had been so long since he's had the opportunity and even really sensed, except for like one other science fiction movie that came out after this, that I'm blanking on the name of that kind of flopped. Um, but it's pretty rare since he worked with the Coens with Oh Brother, Where Out Thou and Barton Fink, where he was really able to channel that kind of avuncular villain that is yes. um, just so believable and terrifying, especially in Barton Fink. I mean, I got I fucking love him in that movie, but yeah, in this, and, and he gets to do that again, where he's, it, it makes him so much more chilling that he is convinced that he's a good person. Yeah. Oh my God. Absolutely. This is, this is Dan. This is Dan, uh, you know, from, from Roseanne. Like he, oh, yeah, yeah. no, I mean, he's, he's a, good he thinks of himself as an absolutely good father mm -hmm. good father figure mm -hmm. but like it's just it is so dexterously dealt with he does not he does not cross that line he does not become the monster you think he is supposed to be even in the end he's still other when he shoots Emmett, that's when it all that's when yeah. that, that's when the guillotine drops. That's when the whole thing changes. Yeah, and like, then he just, forgives him first. Oof. Yeah. yeah. Oh my god. 
I forgot that even happened. I was like, I too. again, third time I had watched this and I was like, oh my God, <laughs> I, think, I think I gasped while watching it. It's so God, sudden. It's fucking brilliant. Yeah, no, it's absolutely brilliant. It's it's it, for such a claustrophobic movie, the way the way they kind of navigate around this like very small place. I mean, obviously, like a, a bunker like that can't be more than like, I don't know, 500 square feet or something a very like claustrophobic space mm -hmm. it it feels feels broad it feels big it feels like you could have a life here and then for a second you kind of settle into that life a little bit a little bit with them you know they're yeah. playing board games they're having some fun like they've kind of put this shit out of their minds and like all right, right. Let's just let's just believe this let's just believe what this guy has to say and act as if and it's it's fine it's fine for them and it's okay but then all of a sudden it's like oh wait yeah they're still in the same fucking situation and they still are yeah. plotting to get the fuck out of here and they right. have not never stopped thinking about that but so yeah i think that partly why this is so tight is the fact that this script bounced around for several years before it got made uh josh campbell and matt stukin who i'm not really familiar with but they had written this script and it had gotten you know, picked up. It was it was on spec. They, they're pretty much nobody's when they when they wrote it, as I understand it. And it got picked up by J.J. Abrams, and he, it was him that tacked on the whole Cloverfield thing, of course. And he tapped Damien Chazelle of all people to come in hmm. and do rewrites and direct. So Chazelle came in and and, and wrote on it and was going to direct it, but then thankfully the funding for Whiplash came in. Which, if you like Whiplash, check out check out the other Cinema Nine episode pretty recently. We did Whiplash as well. So between Whiplash and then our bonus episode all together last week where we talked Prey, there's all kinds of Cinema Nine inroads into Ten Cloverfield yeah. Lane. So I'm glad that you uh, chose it. But it's such a masterfully written script for coming out of three different hands and then a very capable and obviously um, assertive director like like Dan Trachtenberg. For it to be as smooth as it is says a, a lot about how well written and crafted it was. Mm. I, I think... I find this guy to be really fascinating. This is now the, the there might be more in his background. I actually didn't look through his entire, you know, his entire history, but you know, he did pray, which we discussed mm -hmm. on the, on the uh, feast blowout podcast, uh, mm -hmm. which was, which was great. But we, we discussed the fact that it's not necessarily, it's not really a predator film the same way. This is not like a Cloverfield film. Um, Cloverfield is, is much uh, less, uh, deserving of a kind of canonical like text mm -hmm. type description so mm -hmm. but nonetheless he made a cloverfield movie that's standalone doesn't have to be cloverfield at all this literally like i didn't well, it even think about it that way i it didn't wasn't. think about it that way at all that's why you were, when you said like it kind of spoils it a bit that they call it 10 cloverfield lane because it kind of like indicates um you know what it, it might kind of like in a weird way, like spoil things, but he does, he does pray, which is a, a movie about like native Americans uh, colonization and it has a predator in it. <laughs> you know, and this, right. this one just has uh, aliens in it, you know? Yeah. It's, it, it is. He seems really good at handling fantastic reality, right? Like he's just, He's just really good at uh, putting the the supernatural or the you know this the unbelievable in with this 
fairly mundane and believable well, landscape. what makes and what makes it yeah what what really gives it that payoff is the fact that like he focuses on the real he focuses yeah. on the day-to-day -day, the mundane shit that is the anchor that's what keeps it all together and then everything else is an exigent circumstance that's true that everybody is reacting to and that like he just it the payoff in this cloverfield movie compared to like the first one is so much greater well the, the reality i think that you're getting at here with trachtenberg's really good skill between these two films is that you want to make a good sci-fi movie you want to make a good horror movie you don't focus on the premise you focus on the characters mm -hmm. you focus on the character development you focus on the acting uh prey is a two-hander practically between uh uh oh what's her name amber thumb thunder herd i believe or hundred right thunder oh, you're very close yeah I'm very I think close that's it. i think between that her and the and the young man that basically played her brother was the only other guy that really was in the movie a, a substantial um amount mm -hmm. i felt and then this of course is a three-hander which this had a rock bottom budget and to get the three actors that they chose is just brilliant casting obviously mm -hmm. john goodman who we've already gushed about with good cause was was what since the deal he was also the only recognized like really recognized well not the the name most people well, probably yes. especially in 2016 wouldn't know john gallagher jr's name right and, exactly. and probably wouldn't know mary elizabeth winstead's name but mary elizabeth winstead has got to be one of the most underrated actors fucking in the industry i swear to god between, between this faults and uh that season of fargo fargo that she did i'm starting to feel like you know i really got to tune in and, and start checking out more of what she does i mean when she gets an idea in this movie i'm like oh look she just had inspiration she's she's so natural she is. yeah she's incredibly natural without being yeah she's like I, I for some reason i always think about like kabuki you know it's like very exaggerated you know like oh, oh yeah, I'm, I got nick, I'm a nick cage like, fan so i get that yeah yeah like you look up in the air because you got a light bulb over your head right you look up in the air for an idea but yeah she is yeah no she's great she's fucking Nuanced. great yeah uh i think yeah, no, her her performance is uh, absolutely phenomenal, uh, especially the way she just like limps around and like, I don't know. They, I guess if you haven't seen it, whatever. Uh, she she's fantastic. Oh, spo in this. Spoil away. We're not worried about spoilers at this point. I mean, like, talk about <clears throat> what you want to talk about. Yeah, man. No, I just ah, this is the, the, it's like terror in her eyes. There mm -hmm. are a few people that can like pull that shit off, where it's like you just look in their eyes and you get it. Yeah. instantly there's just yeah. no overacting in this at all zero when she sees help scratched into the glass yes uh, and the look on her face the dawning realization there's so much in that look uh yes. it's just and, it, and that's partly what gives me the chills because she like her realization is the audience's realization yeah pretty awesome and she's she's in this she's in this bunker she sees help she still has not seen any evidence of aliens mm. or you know whatever the nuclear fallout or well there has the really convenient woman that came yes. and died on their doorstep that was nice of her to do that so, hey, i'm, I'm well-timed yeah. plot device hello but it was <laughs> it was a it was a perfect plot device that was yeah. absolutely one of the best ever because it's just one person it happens it's brief and mm -hmm. it it you have got john goodman yelling at her from like uh 
outside the foyer, right? Yeah. She's she's got like one security door closed. She's got mm-hmm. another security closed. She's right between the two, and he is screaming, "Do not let her in!" And then like she's literally watching this woman like like melt away in front of her, like uh, the scene from The Rock, you know, like when the the sarin <laughs> gas or whatever like blows up. Fuck a palm queen. Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> Someone, I have to do it. And do it. and you you're sitting there siding with both of them. You're like, oh, I don't know which one I'd want to be right now. Like, yeah. I completely am with her. I'm not opening that door, but I want to so bad. Yeah. And that is such a well done like plot device. Usually, that shit is just wasted. Yeah. That is that like it like sends her back into the bunker. Mm-hmm. That plot device sends her back into the bunker mm-hmm. to mull over everything else, and that's when things get happy again, right? They start right. to, they start to I think literally, we're alone now. yeah. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Yeah. Oh, it becomes so like just creepy, man. Just like uh, yeah. it crawls a vibe. Up your skin. There's yeah. a real vibe in this movie, but I think you you a hit real some vibe. good. I think you hit on some good points there too about that. It's not just. I mean, as awesome as Mary Elizabeth Winstead is in this movie, she's a, it's a Michelle is a really well written character. Mm-hmm. I'm watching this movie and watching her constantly figure out new ways to adapt and approach the situation, and she is consistently brave and resourceful throughout the movie. And and you you referenced earlier how much there is also this uh, element of trauma in the movie. Like I like that it's not we're not beat about the head with with the fact that clearly her father was physically abusive towards her, and she tells us one story where she talks about how she saw this little girl, and we both learn a lot about her and why she and and, and like oh well, I guess we just kind of like learn about her past, and it sets it up so nicely for this for this ending where she's th- she thinks that she's a weak person who runs, but she learns from this experience that she's. She's not. She's actually a really strong and resourceful woman who can fight her way to, to freedom. It's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Which which literally ties into like the, her decision that she makes at the very end, which is like go to go to safety or like go help people that need it. And she fucking oh. takes that fucking turn right. and right. is like, I'm going to Houston. I'm going to fucking help these people out. And And also like that, that stems like. There are so many tiny little details in this movie that that are really good. She stitches up his head, right? Mm-hmm. So she, first of all, she bashes his fucking head with a bottle. She's mm-hmm. not like she doesn't sit around and get victimized. Like she takes right. every opportunity she can to get away from this motherfucker. Right. And she does a she puts in a great effort. She fucking bashes him over the head with the bottle. I forget how he actually gets back to her, but she then has to stitch him up <laughs> and and she's in i guess in a way it's kind of like lib fantasy like oh, well this liberal education really did help out you know look i can stitch your head you know like <laughs> okay. listen dad listen dad you said you said i was uh gay for going out to new york but i can i know how to stitch your fucking forehead together after somebody bashes a bottle into it and so she does it <clears throat> expertly right okay and he's yeah, that well, that's kind of how I read it. <laughs> okay, okay, hold on, wait. You're you're nodding your head a little bit, um, as if I just like did not give a dog a treat. You're kind of like, what the fuck? Oh no, I, I mean, I, it was an oddly what? specific. Um, uh, for me, that was very specific. For me, it was like for me that was the moment between um, uh, father and daughter, uh, some or father and son, who went to the son son or daughter goes to. Like, well, yeah, you're right. No, I to 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 uh, design, yeah, whatever. School. Okay, college, 
just college in general, right? right? I mean, it's a stand in for college. Okay. Because because a lot of a lot of these guys, uh, you know, out in the sticks or out in the plains or whatever, just could not understand their kids who went to college. You know, oh, sure. they just didn't they they couldn't wrap their minds around it. And they they thought everybody was frivolous and uh they wouldn't be able to survive in a in a disaster. What they are what they they got it fucking wrong because she hey, can't. Yeah. And I'm here to she tell you she can't. With yeah. my six-figure uh, debt that Jesus I got Christ. from my humanitarian degree, oh god, um, that I would absolutely die in this situation. For the record, <laughs> I can't sew for shit. Um, you know, one of the things that really um, also stuck out to me about this movie was the fact that he's also right about saving her life. He's right that he ran this stranger off the road. Now, yes. his, his reasons are fucking haunting and terrifying, but yes. he's actually he accurately really does save her life. And I love it when 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 he, he's like, you know, you, you, this is what you do for me, or whatever he says at the end. And she's like, no, this is this is what I this is how I'm paying you back. And she kicks the barrel over. But here's, <laughs> a, here's a big gripe I got there. Homeboy's very clearly lying face down on the ground, splashing around, splishy splashy in the acid. And then he gets up and he's all Harvey Dent on us all of a sudden. I'm like, no, that's not the direction you were lying in, John. We all saw. But, yeah. you know, minor gripe, I guess. Yeah, that's, it's, a, it's a really cool moment. And I also love the way she, like, jumps around at, over him. Like, she's she's very nimble and stuff, but not, like, in a way well, that's, like, unbelievable. <laughs> she does a really good job of, like, leapfrogging him mm -hmm. into safety. The, the thing is, like, the, there are no moments in this movie, really, other than that, maybe, that, that like, small gripe, which I caught, too, and I was kind of like, ah, I'm not going to say anything, because uh, <laughs> I thought maybe it would be, like, his nose would be, right, like, it, it would be, like, and that would have been perfect, because it would be Panglossian at that point. That that would be very cool, and he could get up and talk about how he's in the best of, of all worlds, but still, I think yeah. that, I, I can imagine yeah. that they did the makeup for that, and then went, Egad, people are not gonna <laughs> yeah, want to just see a this noseless face. Yeah, that's um, boy, boy, they really had it made back in the days when you only had words, uh, men of letters, as it were. Speaking of, yeah, but it's so, it's so incredibly. I think it's they're all these like they're okay, so there are very little, there are very few missteps in this movie. It's it's so tight in that way. Everything is so tight. Like, so when she dumps the barrel, right, there would be so many other ways to uh, fuck that up. Mm. But the way it happens, she like dumps it forward, right? He falls forward because he's kind of like going forward. It all just works. Then yeah. she just like leapfrogs him, gets into like safe territory. It's just, but it's only temporarily nice. safe. Right, that, only temper, and then the whole thing goes up in fucking flames, which is awesomely believable too, because you're dealing with this. Because it's like of, glycerin or whatever too. Ooh, right. It's also fucking flammable. Uh, what the fuck is it called? Percolic? I don't know what it's. Know. It's, it's uh, acid, yes, anyway. I think you're right. Let's, I think he called it percolic acid. Smilex. I'm not sure, but <laughs> it's it's <laughs> yeah, sarin the, gas. I mean, fucking uh, who knows? The dip. Uh, what did the, the yeah the dip? <laughs> <laughs> it is it is the dip. It's the fucking it is the dip. dip. Yeah, yeah, and, and uh, in the fact that yes, everything he does, he does out of like some form of good nature, yet completely self-serving nature. It right. is a absolute fucking um, balancing act that this guy is like he is like on the razor's edge. Like this yeah. guy is living on the razor, like up uh, mentally probably, but he's living on the razor's edge, and it's just it's 
the fact that it's like, wait a minute, is he a fucking serial killer? Like, what the fuck is going? Jeez, and it's like it. And it's like the way it doesn't just tease it for no reason. Mm-hmm. It just feels so integral to like who this guy is and why you should be fucking concerned. Like, even <laughs> if he is or isn't, you should be fucking concerned. Get the yeah. fuck out of this house. I mean, um, I just I, thought that was fucking brilliant. And then, and of course, Goodman, just like the anchor that he is <laughs> fucking, you know, he is the the center of gravity for the whole thing, obviously. But my yeah. God, just unbelievable. I mean, the way it's the way it's written, it was going to require a uh, veteran actor who could uh, hold down the whole film. And he was just the right mm-hmm. person for it. But I feel like we'd be remiss to not also talk about the third actor in this film. No, not yes. Bradley Cooper's voice over the phone. <laughs> That's kind of distracting. But John Gallagher Jr. Uh, you know, I, again, I think the character is really well written because I love that you get the sense that this is just. This is just, you know, kind of a casual dude. I'll take whatever job comes my way. I'm yes. just kind of a local guy. I'm drifting through life. I'm easy going, easy breezy. I don't really have my own politics, right? Like he's he doesn't come across as a guy who's like particularly, doesn't believe. He's not a true believer. He's not a true believer, and he and he's also not like of the urban uh, liberal whatever that you're kind of referencing too. Which I do mm-hmm. kind of see it. I don't see that quite as clearly as you. I definitely see the the conspiratorial right wing nature of Howard's character, not as much the liberal nature of Michelle's. But still, I I like that um, Emmett is he's a very just believable kind of like mm, hey I'm just here, but he's also a good person, and when he Again, this is partly the writing, but when he says to Howard that I wanted to take your gun because I wanted her to look at me the way that she looks at you, I wanted her to respect me the way that she respects you, is so calculated and brilliant. Like, Emmett is no fucking dummy. He knows that he's putting himself at great risk. He probably doesn't think that Howard's going to kill him, but he still knows that, like, he's priority, like, he's standing between Howard and Michelle. And he says he got a little bit. Right. And he says the exact (laughs) and he says the exact right thing that would convince Howard that to play into Howard's ego, because Howard's whole thing is that he's this big protective man and he cannot even see Michelle as a woman. That whole bit about little women and he can't say women, little girl, little princess, uh, little Mm -hmm. child. You're like, he's like, that's like, that's like the most telling. Okay. Yeah. Hold on. You got to go, uh, go back into that. So what are they, what game are they playing? Uh, when that happens, Um, what is the name of that game? Uh, A million dollar, $10,000 pyramid or the thousand dollar. Okay. So the game game is not important, but like, uh, Oh, he's trying to get Howard to guess. Um, He's trying little to get women. Howard to guess like woman. Okay. Little, we'll little women, the woman. book. Yeah. yeah little right. women, the book, but like, he's trying to get him to guess woman. Right. And he keeps referencing, uh, not Megan, but Michelle. whatever her name is. Her name is Michelle. Okay. And Howard literally cannot. He keeps saying little girl, right. girl, baby, little baby. Like he Child. can't say woman. Right. That is that was probably, in my opinion, the most like harrowing moment of the film, because that's when they're getting along. That's when everything is they're getting along. And then that moment happens like this. This guy is like three sheets, absolute Looney Tunes fucking 
out of control crazy. Right. And then it's followed up with the, the Santa Claus scene, which is a little heavy handed. I'm always watching. I'm always watching. <laughs> that was like, a little much. Yeah. It's like, okay. we, we, we That was the know. only part of the whole movie actually was like, okay, that's that. It felt forced, right? It doesn't even, that's not even a guess I would make. You know, somebody keeps saying that. I'm always watching. I'm always watching. That feels I see like you. A, uh, I see you. That feels like a J.J. <laughs> Abrams note. <laughs> Absolutely. No, no, seriously, do this. <laughs> this has got to be, yeah, there has to be like some executive dickhead, like just muddling, just. It'll be great for the around. previews, right? It'll be great for the previews. I just thought like, I, so I, I wrote a note and I was just like, this, this is probably like the most, this is probably like the saddest and like most empathetic film I've ever seen about like the right, the quote unquote right. Mm. And, and I think so many people, uh, have parents like this who are just they feel lost you know maybe maybe they're they're victims of like you know like whatever the post-industrial area uh, era like you know nafta whatnot they're they're stuck on fucking facebook they're they're reading this QAnon nonsense i mean this this movie came out in March of 2016, this movie started production probably in less than a year after that or before that. And, you know, like that's when like Trump announces like presidency, like, you know, yeah, Mexicans are rapists, all that. Like I could not I could not divorce that from my reading of this movie. Like this is like this is such an interesting uh portrayal of like that guy it is a loving portrayal it's kind of like it's kind of like listen let's not forget that not all these people are crazy but most of them are desperate and yeah. terrified and that's like what they like this guy built a fucking bunker a doomsday bunker he's scared right. He's fucking scared. He's scared at the outside world. The outside world is like, you know, yeah. fucking aliens, the fallout, all that, whatever it might be. And it just, I I really thought, you know, of course, again, not gushing over good men again, but like that mm. was the perfect fucking pick for this guy. Yeah. Jesus Christ. And you know what you're saying makes me think some more about it. And you know what they always say about like authoritarian fascists and how like it's one third of the country is going to kill another third of the country while another third of the country sits back and watches. <laughs> right. Mm -hmm. And that's and like we're all stuck in this country. We're all stuck in this bunker with this mm -hmm. crazy fucking yes. right wing conspiracy theorists and we can't get out. And there's 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 us who like want to get out and progress and move forward. And then there's this other guy who's in there with us, who's a good person who um, isn't got as caught up in the undertow, who, who got caught up, who doesn't quite recognize the danger and kind of bought mm -hmm. in a little bit, but isn't all the way in. Right. Uh, so I think that that's probably astute of you. I hadn't quite read in to it this much. I mean, of course, as you, like, as you say, the movie comes from, an era and it's never it's never going to be divorced from the era that it comes in but i don't and the mm. fact that it can't it, the, the script had been kicking around for quite a few years before that but still the elements are all the same uh i think that you're right i think that this is probably an attempt at an allegory of some kind not necessarily just of the united states because we're hardly the only country tipping towards authoritarianism Absolutely. in recent times so, so i think yep. it's just i think it's i think it works on a lot of levels yeah yeah and i think if it was kicking around for a while and it wouldn't if if this came out in uh 2010 you know 2011 while obama was still president i mean we that element was 
absolutely there you know yeah yeah you had the freedom party you had the tea party and all this shit going on like and i think a lot of people were trying to wrap their minds around like how do i deal with my dad you know how do i deal with my grandpa like how do i deal with these guys that are fucking that are like they're sinking deeper into the into like the digital ether of facebook and And, all that and like i'm terrified i don't know how to bring them back how do i bring them back and, and even if it's can't. not someone, even if it's not someone that you love and that you want to bring back, even if it's a total fucking stranger who just yes, plowed exactly. into your car and you're, you know, and you're stuck in this <laughs> bunker with, you're, I mean, like you have no choice. Right. Sometimes the, the your cohorts, you know, you're just stuck with these people. Um, and so I, and I, they I, have genuine, they do have genuine, like, they, it seems like they have genuine affection for each other. Like throughout the movie, they definitely do, but they still are like this. I need to get away from fucking this and uh yeah because he's he's got the keys he's got the power and he and he's keeping it that way um because he's the older one who had the capital and foresight uh to do to create this microcosm for them Mm -hmm. uh that you said that fucking perfectly i think i even wrote microcosm down at some point uh that you know, even when you look at what happened during the January 6th riots, you know, what happened when they all got there, they all kind of didn't know what else to do after, you know, <laughs> of course, after after the breach. Well, after as the we've breach learned, and after all the exciting shit happened, they just yeah, put their supposed feet to be a up second, and they, yeah. There was supposed to be a second one. That's what we learned today. That was the news today. <laughs> there was supposed to be a second event that didn't. January, uh, January 7th. <laughs> well, no, just uh, somewhere. They're supposed to go to the Supreme Court is where they were, where they were going to go. Apparently. Ah, yes. Okay. Well, they, it's, it's this, <laughs> they, this, um, this terrified hive mind that uh, mm. doesn't really have a place uh, there's no catharsis for it. Uh, so the, I look at this bunker like it is a, it's like a powder keg. The second it goes up, right, it blows up. Yeah. Everything inside it is fucking blown up. But like nothing really blows out into the world. Like there is no, there's no expression of it uh, in the greater world. It, the expression of what this, what's in this guy's head, is coming at him from the outer world. And I honestly. <laughs> When I saw the when I saw the uh, the UFOs outside, mm-hmm. I was like, I uh, am surprised it doesn't have like a bumper sticker in Cyrillic that just <laughs> says like you know fuck the vote or something. Let's go, I, Brandon. I literally was like, yeah, I was like, I, I thought let's go, Brandon, but I was like, okay, this is too old for that <laughs> right. to have happened. But I thought for sure I was like, this is like these are the monsters that are yeah. fucking like. Dropping their tentacles down, like pulling everybody out, like creating fucking havoc, destroying the world. And then like our nice little liberal, like uh, a fashion girl goes to Houston to like save the world. And I was like, okay, it's a half liberal fantasy, half kind of like touching, uh, you know, tribute to, you know, all of our parents that have gone down the uh, dark path. You know, I also to go back kind of to my point that I wish that Cloverfield hadn't been in the title. I love it when she gets out of the um, bunker and she rips her, her vinyl little suit that she made for herself. And she has herself that moment of freak out. And then she pauses and she hears birds and yeah, she, she sees like, the, she sees, she sees literally birds. I saw them today, like the, the V shape. Right. right. Yeah, so it's V-shaped like, Oh, birds. we're like, well shit. And then, so there's this moment when she takes off the mask and breathes in and you're like, well, 
oh, maybe it was all a lie. And like the movie could almost end there. And then you see what maybe could be a helicopter, except for that's not quite right as a helicopter. And uh, I'm actually, I'm, I'm glad that there wasn't like a giant Cloverfield monster. I'm glad that it's these different kind of shock trooper monsters, uh, guard yeah. dog monsters instead, which I think they do a really good job with it. I do think that if Super a, creep. I think that if a, I mean, I don't know the strength of an alien proboscis or whatever. <laughs> I feel like it's going to go through the plastic yeah. of a two liter bottle. Uh-huh. Uh, um, or at least like or just eat the bottle off. <laughs> so, Maybe like, it at just least bites it'd be on like the a, bottle. It would at least be like a punch in the face, even if it doesn't break your skin. By bare minimum. Okay. <laughs> bare minimum. Uh, all right. Okay. <laughs> I did totally Google like homemade uh, gas mask before the show. And okay. That's a good that, job. You're red flag now forever with the FBI. Yeah, right. Um, apparently, you just need a KN95 mask, one of those industrial jobs that they handed out at Walmart once in the middle of the pandemic. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> remember that like for yes. one there was like one hot second where it was like hey check out these great masks the government supplied them to us you can get them at your local pharmacy but not the actual pharmacy you have to go to some <laughs> other part of the building because of course your pharmacy is in a Meyer or a walmart or an couldn't couldn't find them <laughs> yeah i got we three, tried i got three and stepped on one we tried couldn't find them <sighs> yeah it was that was a blast but no but that that is uh such a cool moment in the movie because it does kind of keep turning on this idea that you know all right we like see the thing is it doesn't it doesn't play too hard into the is it real or is it not it is a legitimately terrifying situation that they are in regardless of whether or not there are fucking yeah. aliens yeah and that's what i love about it because it's almost like two separate movies it's mm-hmm. like the second that happens and you see the aliens and stuff, you kind of forget about all the shit that she's just been through. Now you're right. like, holy fuck, this is really happening. <laughs> and and she does she does that, too. And I actually really appreciate when characters are allowed to recognize how fucked up it is. something is so fucked up. Yes, <laughs> like, this is so on. fucked up. She's she like, goes, oh, on. come on. Yeah, she literally, <laughs> oh, come on. And yeah. it's like a fucking alien. She's like, oh, come on. Like how I, fucking that's how I would react. Like, right. Come, it's, what the it's fuck? relatable. How yes. tense is it? How scary is it when she's shimmying her way through the, the vent, oh. which they really set that whole vent up well, because it seems oh, almost unnecessary. She's shimmying, and then the fucking blade is coming in at all these different angles and fire and smoke is coming through. Like this is super intense. And if she had just gotten out at the end of the movie or if she had gotten to the you know, if, she, if he had died and she had gotten to the where the lock was and she couldn't get the lock off, that's how some horror movies would just end. But I also love speaking of that lock. I love that when she finally breaks the lock, it's so clearly the last hit that she was going because she's like hit 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 hit, hit. and then one last big hit, which was it's, if it ha- that hadn't come off, then she probably would have given up. She would have died like yeah. in that bunker while right. it was burning. It was <laughs> fucking burning at that time. Right. No. Yeah. They they did that so well. I actually made a note of that too. Like because when she is going to, I guess, unclog the the ventilator or the yeah that was filter a little, or something a little fuzzy. Like you click a thing to to clear what she's like got to pull. The, she's got to yeah. pull the. She's got to pull the the lever, but he can't do it from the inside which okay that is probably the biggest like if you're gonna have a problem with the movie that's probably the biggest dumb problem because this guy who spent all of his life savings apparently i'm guessing this is what happened he spent all of his life savings on this like doomsday bunker his wife and kid were like get me the fuck out of here they took off uh he's been bitter about it ever since but he did not 
plan to ever have a problem with his air filter. Right. So and, he and this, there's this other can't room. Get to it. There's you can't this other get to room it. that's only accessible from outside. You have to go from outside, outside the bunker. Exactly. Yeah. That doesn't See, make that's, a lick of sense. That is probably the worst part of the movie. But anyhow, yeah. she goes, she has to access the the air filter room, whatever. Whatever. Through through the HVAC system. And it does it does such a good job of showing you that he can see her like mm -hmm. in the in the vents like yeah there are there are little grates in the it vents. sets everything up it sets it up so well he can see her he knows where she's at he can and she knows her. how to get to where she needs to go and so then when it happens at the end you're like don't go in there he can fucking stab you <laughs> uh it but i'm also really, thinking that was really well done i was still on the edge of my seat and i have seen this fucking movie yeah i'm also thinking though like you could stab better than that howard <laughs> <laughs> like you know knife, you're close maybe, uh if bigger the, knife if the knife if the knife doesn't come back bloody maybe not don't stab in the same spot again i don't know just an idea <laughs> it's, it's just not like <laughs> any of these dumb movies where like all of a sudden a knife comes through the, the ventilation system and it's like where did that come from how did this guy know this person yeah, was even there like you know i think you're really he knew something. she was there <laughs> right i think you're really on to something i don't know how much of this all this was written in there but but i think that i'm really excited about whatever trachtenberg's next movie is going to be because between this and prey which is pretty much all he's done he did in some episodes or so of the boys and black mirror but as far as i could tell those oh, are the two major right. features that he's done uh yeah good you know good pedigree but uh i'm totally and 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 he he's clearly you know speaking of the MCU earlier I can't think of a director I would rather tap to bring into the MCU than I think Dan Trachtenberg Ooh. I think he'd fit so well into that universe I really hope he, that he gets offered something Do you think he would pull off like a uh, Taika Waititi type thing where it's a it's a part of the canon but it, it's uh, adjacent to it because he just has like. I feel like he's using these uh, these this prior IP mm -hmm. to to like just make a movie. He's like he's like, OK, you guys want to make this movie? Nobody wants to make it. I'll, I'll make it uh, and well, I'm going to make this movie, but it's going to yeah. have the Cloverfield monster <laughs> at the end. Whatever. Right. Well, then that, you know, Marvel has been um, pivoting towards more diversification of genre you got you got werewolf by night which is a horror genre film and multiverse of madness even though it sucked was still a horror movie basically and then you had um a, you know a, a sitcom comedy with she hulk uh the thor love and thunder definitely a bit more of a comedy but they seem to be kind of trying to do a little bit more honestly yeah they, they've genre. created like for somebody like dan trachtenberg they've created so many options like he could literally he could attack uh, the material at fucking any angle. And there are what, imagine, like a thousand fucking characters that he yeah. can go at. Yeah. Imagine Fantastic Four in his hands. I think he'd fucking kill it. Oh, my God. A good Fantastic Four movie. I've like, actually always wanted to see. <laughs> Maybe some. I would love to see one. I would yeah. love to see one. Well, any more comments about... Um, 10 cloverfield lane that uh, um, we didn't quite get to have you seen well, cannibal airlines i have not i'm not sure if it's even a real movie cannibal i'm sure it is i mean that <laughs> sounds exactly like a real movie sounds hold good. on one second let me just look over the old notes uh, oh i did i did 
<laughs> I did write a note. I don't know why I wrote this down. Grown men also cry. Grown men also cry. I don't know why you wrote that down either. <laughs> why did I write that? Oh, and then the other note, the other note was uh, it's the reversal of uh, a color purple because he has her like stitch his head, but it's like similar to <laughs> like the, when uh, she's like shaving the guy's neck and I'm, like she yeah. like literally this girl's got like a needle and thread. She could fucking stab him in the eye, but she doesn't do it. Anyhow, yeah. I, I think that's probably the last of my notes. I got a whole bunch, but is is Howard uh, is Howard a updated Annie Wilkes from Misery? Jesus, yes, right. In yes. a lot of ways, yes. This is, this is Misery. Yes, absolutely. I mean, literally, even like knocking him off the road in the car and all that stuff. I mean, that's like holy misery. shit. <laughs> it's perfect. That that's why I think Dan Trachtenberg was like. I want to make this movie, which is mm -hmm. the one right in between the bookends. Yeah. And okay. he made that movie and he did such a good fucking job with it. But then it's like you put the aliens at the end, uh, you know, or, you know, whatever, absorb the uh, the stuff in the beginning. It's it's so like to me, it's just a, it's a one of those like very perfect fucking B movies. I will always love it. Uh, but yes, dude misery it is misery a little bit so yeah. what do you think you want to give us your final thoughts on whether or not you think it holds up well of course uh you know if it holds up the whole if it holds up holds up uh 100 i actually liked it more this time i think it gave me more to think about you know i'm gonna have to agree with you i i liked it the first time i watched it but very often when I sit down with these movies, and that's part of the whole idea of this podcast is revisiting stuff we thought was good with a more uh, critical eye. And very often when I sit down with a pen and paper and, and dig deep, I come away, even movies that I think hold up and that I like, I often come away liking them a little bit less because I start to see holes, which I did in this film as well. But I have a lot more appreciation for the film with my second viewing than I did with the first. And also, oh, cool. Luke, Thank you for choosing it and for talking about it with me because I think I have more appreciation for it after having this conversation with you as well. I think you had some some good insights that made me look at it a little differently. So thank you. I mean, yeah, thank and thank you so much for having me on the show. My God, um, I love it. Could do this all the time, as you know. <laughs> awesome. um, so this would be the part where we typically would announce the next film that we'll be watching. Oh, there's your cat in the background. Hi, kitty. Um, we, the next film that we would tick, I see her, uh, that we would typically be, yeah, <laughs> she is. Um, but we already announced it. So the, we announced it last week. Uh, you, uh, you went out. Uh, they, they announced it last week, uh, and it's going to be, I think I, I heard it was going to be um, Sleepless in Seattle. <laughs> no, uh, <laughs> we all know that movie holds up. I'm like, oh, it, we're gonna it, it holds up. It's very, very good to talk about. <sighs> no, we, uh, the Wailing, as I already referenced on the show from 2016, the South Korean horror picture. It is streaming on, I think, Tubi, Pluto, Para, Paramount Plus. I think uh, it's on a ton of things. If you like South Korean movies Ooh. at all, I strongly recommend The Wailing. We'll talk about it more next week. Luke, 
for for Mike, for Eric, we both say thank you for letting us uh, oh, have you. the show plod forward despite their um, their issues. And Mike <laughs> and Eric, if you are missing, you are if you are listening, you are loved and missed. And we uh, we all wish you good, uh, well wishing, loved and that and you missed. feel better. There is one other movie. Have you guys done Memories of Murder yet? No, we've not done Memories of Murder. Okay. We've not. Um, I'm trying to think if I've seen that one. I'm aware of it, of course, but I don't think I've actually caught it yet. Mm. Uh, I, I hear good things. It's and available. I, I, yeah, yeah. It's Mas- been on my list. Have you seen it Mother? Is, Mother was really good. Uh, I have not, not watched Mass. Not Aaron I have not watched. No. Not oh. Oh, not, yes. Uh, South Korean Mother. Um, I have not it? watched that either. I haven't watched either Mother's. No, well, don't watch no mothers have been watched. You hear that, everybody? Your mothers are safe. On that note, <laughs> <laughs> Luke, thank you so much. I am Travis Roy. We are Cinema 9 Podcast. Until next time, thanks, everybody, for sticking around. We wish you the very best. Email us at cinema9pod at gmail.com. Drop us a line on any social media. Follow us on Patreon. Do all the things. Uh, you know, break us. Uh, you know, if you see us in the street, say hello. All right. Thanks, everybody. Take her easy.